Geno Smith is officially back in the fold for the Seahawks, giving them three quarterbacks on the roster. Who holds the edge heading into the start of the offseason program to be the starter in week one? Rob Rang and I are going to debate on the latest episode of Locked on Seahawks. You are locked on Seahawks. Your daily Seattle Seahawks podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Greetings, 12. This is Corbin Smith, your host for Locked On Seahawks. Joining me, as always, my co-host in crime, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. As always, we greatly appreciate your support. We now have less than 10 days until the 2022 NFL Draft officially arrives in Las Vegas. The Jaguars will be on the clock with pick number one. So with that being said, it's time for our final dual mock drafts and we're going to be doing a little different this year we're going to be breaking down picks much more in detail today's episode seattle's got a first rounder in the top 10 rob and i are going to be dishing out our selections and maybe having a bit of a spirited debate between our picks there with seattle's top 10 selection we're also going to be checking out seattle's quarterback room now that geno smith is back in the mix to go with drew Locke and jacob eason who has the edge heading towards the start of the season in September. Now for your lead story here on Locked On Seahawks. The Seahawks have two of the best safeties in the NFL, Quandre Diggs and Jamal Adams, under contract through the 2024 season. But that's not stopping Seattle from looking for veteran insurance options to bolster depth. Today, according to a report from Jeremy According to a report from Jeremy Fowler of ESPN, Seattle brought in DeMonte Casey, veteran safety formerly of the Falcons and Cowboys, for a free agent visit. And this is interesting, Rob, on a number of fronts because Casey has played his entire career for Dan Quinn in Atlanta and Dallas. And obviously Dan Quinn was the defensive coordinator for the Seahawks for several seasons, including both of their most recent Super Bowl seasons. So you've got that parallel, and this is a guy that's got positional flexibility. So while it might seem weird they're bringing in a guy that had 15 starts at safety a year ago, he has played a lot of snaps in the slot, and if they're going to be playing a lot of nickel and dime packages, it might make sense to have a third safety of that caliber on your roster. Yeah, absolutely. As you just mentioned, I mean, the familiarity with Dan Quinn's defense, which is an extension of what the Seahawks have run for years. Um, so right off the bat, that that checks some boxes there. And the, we know that, that Seattle selected a first-round player out of San Diego State years ago at Rashad Penny. That's where DeMonte Casey played his football. And when you watch Casey on tape, both in the NFL and back with the Aztecs, what you see is a guy who has two traits that the Seahawks have always prioritize whether it be at safety or at cornerback and that be physicality and ball skills and, and Casey has those things and so yeah I think at this point considering what you likely would have to spend for a player who did miss one season uh, in the NFL unfortunately due to injury but at the same time you think that you might be able to get him on the cheap um, give yourself a lot of positional flexibility there. I think that it makes an awful lot of sense for Seattle to be kind of kicking the tire, so to speak, on DeMonte Casey. We've seen how slow, and we talked about this on our episode on Sunday, 
how slow free agency has gone across the NFL really since the first week or so. It just kind of hit a wall, and there haven't been very many signings over the last three or four weeks. So a player like Casey, who is still out there on the market looking for a new team, might have to settle for a reserve opportunity. But I think there could be plenty of snaps to be had here because you look back at 2019 with the Falcons, he had more than 200 snaps working out of the slot. And he's got enough size, not a big safety by any means, but he's got enough size and enough quickness that he can play that nickel role or even in a dime package like they used Kevin King a few years ago. There's a lot of flexibility with him, and I think he's a guy that can excel in man coverage. Just look at last year. You mentioned he missed most of the 2020 season with a torn Achilles tendon, played four games, got hurt. He bounced back last year with Dallas, though, had two interceptions, and he was only targeted 17 times, eight incompletions on those throws, Four of them, he got his hands on either with an interception or pass breakup. He led the NFL interceptions in 2018 with seven. This is a Seahawks team that did not create near enough turnovers last year. So you know Pete Carroll's excited about a guy that has consistently been able to create turnovers playing either the safety or the nickel corner spot. So they might be willing to pay just a little bit more money for a guy that many would view as a reserve, but he could get a lot of snaps on this defense, especially with Sean Decide now being in town. There's going to be some creativity being able to deploy five and six defensive backs on defense. Creativity on defense and then the struggles with durability from guys like Marquise Blair, unfortunately. And in Seattle, uh, and of course, brought back Justin Coleman, who has proven himself to be a quality starter at the nickel cornerback position. But at the same time, that is what Justin Coleman was. Is he still that? Um, you know, if the Seahawks are going to be as competitive as what they've always said that they want to be, always compete, bringing in players, then you want to be able to bring in as many uh, playmakers as you possibly can. And again, to me, one of the very first things that really stood out to me when watching uh, Casey back in his days at San Diego State was, again, just the physicality. This is a guy who punches above his weight class. I mean, he is a knockdown kind of a tackler. Um, so I think that that, uh, you know, extends very well to the NFL, not only in the secondary, but also on special teams as well. And so again, to me, Casey is the kind of a guy that, that what do you have to lose to be kind of, you know, investigating players at, at this point, uh, especially considering the fact that Casey has been as productive as he has been almost regardless of where you have put him in the secondary. And there's been so much of the talk Corbin oh, uh, over this off season about offensive linemen. And we know Seattle prioritizes versatility in their offensive linemen. They prioritize versatility everywhere, including in the secondary. So to me, Casey, again, would make a lot of sense for the Seahawks just because of the fact that he has been productive at every level and in every position that they've ever been asked to play. And he's had kind of a roller coaster career in terms of quarterback rating allowed. He's had a couple years above 100. 2018, when he had seven picks, it was almost below 60. Last year, very similar, even though he gave up three touchdowns when he was targeted. Again, four of the eight incompletions against him either picked off or broke up. So this is a guy that knows how to get his hands on the football. He's a willing tackler. You can move him around the formation. So I could see some really intriguing sub packages where you have Jamal Adams playing close to the line of scrimmage, and you could have KZ and Quandre Diggs playing off the ball 
and it would give you a lot of versatility with the types of coverages, the blitzes and pass rushing games that you can run. You know Clint Hurt would be excited about that. It's really going to boil down to price point, and if Casey is willing to settle for a reserve role, maybe he's going to wait till after the draft, and if a team that needs a safety doesn't pick one, maybe there's going to be a starting opportunity there. That won't be in Seattle, but the fact that he's taking this visit right now suggests to me that he might already realize this is where I'm at. I need to find a team where I can maximize my snaps in a rotational role in a scheme I'm familiar with. And there is some familiarity that's going to be there with Pete Carroll still as a head coach, even with the changes they have on the defensive coaching staff. So we'll see what happens. Always the opportunity that this could be a visit and then he leaves, doesn't sign a contract, and then he moves on to the next team. But Seattle could try to put on a little bit of a full court press if they like some of their options with having multiple safeties on the field together. Maybe they can try to sign him before he leaves. We'll just have to see what happens. We're going to advance to our yearly final dual mock draft. We get fired up about this in the past. We've done it usually in one or two episodes. We're going to spread it out a little bit more so we can truly dive into these picks. And today, the Seahawks have a top 10 pick, number nine overall. Rob and I are going to be dishing out our picks at number nine here in a moment. Before we break down any of these mock drafts, I want to talk to you about a product my wife and I use literally every day. We started taking AG1 from Athletic Greens because we want an easy, delicious way of improving our gut health, and we found it. With one delicious scoop out of this green canister of AG1, we, and you as well, could be absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of, of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, recovery, focus, and aging. It's lifestyle friendly. We drink it first thing in the morning, even before our coffee. It contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial anything while still tasting good. We've experienced better, sounder sleep and recovery. It supports mental clarity and alertness. Athletic Greens doesn't just make it easy to get healthy. It's easy to get, too. That's because Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com backslash NFL Network. Again, that is athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network. Let me just repeat that again since I got wrong the first time. Athleticgreens.com slash NFL Network to take ownership over your health and to pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. This episode is also brought to you by BetOnline. BetOnline.net is your number one source for all of your betting stats and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, league reviews, and news, including this year's basketball playoffs and the start of the Major League Baseball season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sporting and waging informational needs, from live betting to the playoffs, esports, and more. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends in action. BetOnline, where the game starts. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. I'm your host, Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We've got the ultimate mock draft currently going on in the Locked On Podcast Network. All 32 hosts dishing out their projections for this upcoming draft. It is truly mock draft season. They're all over the place, but this one was fantastic. A collaborative, a collaborative effort 
from all of our experts throughout the network today dropped the Seahawks pick at number nine. So make sure to check that out again. That's the ultimate mock draft. It's available on all major platforms, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and make sure on April 28th to tune into Locked On's NFL live coverage of the 2022 NFL draft. They've got three days of real-time analysis from our lineup of experts and insiders leading up to the first pick all the way through the end of the draft. All right, Rob, speaking of mock drafts, we do this every single year, but we change things up. We always like to look at what we did the year before and try to improve upon it. And one of the things that many of our listeners have pointed out is, I feel like you guys rush through your mock drafts and we don't really have a chance to get to know some of the players that you pick. And for you and I, that was music to our ears because we're always trying to cut down how much we say so we can fit our show into the schedule. So what we're going to be doing kicking off today from our Tuesday episode up until next week, when the draft finally gets here, we are going to be dishing out our selections going to be starting today with our first round pick a top 10 pick for the Seahawks. And there's really only one ground rule. You and I cannot pick the same players. It's a dual mock draft. So we each make a selection at each pick and we do it kind of a roulette style where, you know, I get to pick and then you get to pick. And then this next pick, it goes you, then me, and then vice versa. So in this case, you got lucky. You won the coin toss. So who did you select? with our first selection in the mock draft. Well, you know, I, I think that one of the things that we've seen with the way that the Seahawks build their franchise um, is that they have always put a priority on offensive tackles. I, I think that it is unlikely that you are going to see any of those elite edge rushers uh, still available to Seattle at number nine overall. As it turns out, there actually was an edge rusher in Jermaine Johnson who was available, but there also was a really exciting possibility of a trade down. Um, the Washington Commanders offered us an incredible Incredible deal to be able to drop down just two picks with two of the best tackles, offensive tackles in the draft, as well as Jermaine Johnson at that spot. And I was really intrigued by Jermaine Johnson. But again, just considering the fact that Seattle is doing a little bit of a roster rebuild here, you have to consider that option. So, um, you know, we elected for a slight trade down to number 11 overall because you're only dropping down two spots. And there are at least four players that I think that Seattle would be considering at that point. The edge rusher, Jermaine Johnson, as I just mentioned. The cornerback, Derek Stingley from LSU. And then two tackles in Charles Cross. And then my selection, Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa. I just think that when you look at the size that Penning offers, uh, the fact that he did play at the Senior Bowl, which we know the Seahawks have always prioritized as as a a possibility or a, a, a opportunity to evaluate a, a player against the best that there is in the draft. The fact that Trevor Payne is 6'7", 330 pounds, is running in the four nines and has the, uh, you know, just the athletic ability overall that he possesses, 99th percentile in the spark rating. Corbin, I've been following Pete Carroll back in his days at USC. And he was the first major college coach that I ever saw in all the pro days that I've attended that literally had the spark uh, testers out there doing those types of athletic testing. And he was higher on spark athletic uh, results and things of that nature than any 
uh, of the NFL teams that I had seen at that point, and certainly among the college football teams. And, and considering how well that Trevor Penning scored in those results and all the other reasons that I just listed. And I should mention as well, the positional versatility started not only at left tackle, at right tackle and guard as well. I just think that there is an awful lot of boxes that that he can check that are something that Seattle has prioritized. So it goes a little bit against my nature to suggest that the Seahawks might be selecting a player from a small school. That is something I've talked about before. I've blasted some of our previous mock draft, uh, you know, Applicants, people have, have kind of put in some of these different ideas. I said, Seattle won't do that. I think the more you watch Trevor Penning, the more you can kind of fall in love with this game, the more you can see him potentially fitting in with the Seahawks. So that was the selection that I made. Trevor Penning, offensive tackle, Northern Iowa. Yeah, and I stayed at offensive line as well. I strongly considered Stingley out of LSU because he is a special talent. I just think there are some big what-ifs there. And I also look at Seattle's corner group right now. If Sauce Gardner was still there, I would have picked Sauce Gardner. I would have said no trade down. But as you mentioned, we got a second-round pick, number 47, and a seventh-round pick for trading down two spots with the commanders. They went up and got receiver Garrett Wilson to – upgrade their receiving core. So they get their player. We add some picks at number 11. I'm going with Charles Cross, the athletic tackle out of Mississippi State. And I know there are some question marks for one thing. And I think that this is kind of crazy to me. There have been a lot of people looking at his size, 6'5", 310 pounds. A lot of people looking at that size and saying, that's not really that, that's not a big enough tackle. Now, if you're looking at the tackles, the Rams have deployed, over the years, they like their tackles like 6'8", 330 pounds in Sean McVay's offense. So if offensive quarter Shane Waldron wants those kind of players at the tackle positions, then Cross probably is not going to be the guy, and Trevor Penning is going to be closer to the build that they are looking for. But Cross is such a polished pass protector compared to many of the tackles in this class. He's a natural left tackle. So you can slide him right into the starting lineup. And maybe the thing that I like about him the most that surprised me, I watched six full games from this past season at SEC play, and I consistently, I consistently saw a guy that fires out of his stance, even though he never had his hand in the dirt playing in the air raid offense. When they ran the ball, he would fire his hands into defenders with a violent strike, and he knocked people off the ball. This is not a guy that is a passive run blocker at all. And so for people that are pointing out, oh, I don't think it's a scheme fit. Well, you can look at the air raid and the fact they didn't run much. Yeah, maybe coming out of a three-point stance, that is going to be an adjustment for him. But I don't see a guy that is going to be coming into the league raw as a run blocker or doesn't have the mentality. I see a physical football player that can drive defenders, and he also can win as a position blocker, maybe more inconsistent on reach blocks than he is as a drive blocker, but he's athletic enough. There are some technique issues in pass protection that I think are need to be shored up, and his grabbing of defenders outside of their shoulder pads has got to be cleaned up or he's going to be a holding machine at the next level. But I trust that Andy Dickerson would be able to mold this guy into a very good starting left tackle I don't know if I'd pick him at nine, but dropping back two spots and adding a second round pick in the process, I absolutely would love to pick Cross here as a guy that I think could be a left tackle for the Seahawks for the next decade. 
Yeah, I, I can't disagree with you at that point. I mean, with, with Charles Cross and his athletic ability, I mean, he just is a smooth mover. And so while I just argued why I think that Penning could be their selection, I, I would not be opposed to the idea of, of Charles Cross just because of the way that he transitions, the way that he, um, and when he initially sets up on the outside and guys make that, uh, you know, kind of jab step to the outside and then cut back inside. I just really like the way that Charles Cross is able to kind of, you know, change directions and be able to still hold up in the in the, you know, the point of attack. Um, I think for so long, the Seahawks have been looking for a guy who can pass, protect, and Charles Cross just has so many exciting traits about him. And one other thing, and this is one of the things that spooks me a little bit, I mentioned about the, the small school aspect of Trevor Penning. It's the age as well. 23 years old with Trevor Penning, 21 with Charles Cross. And I think that that's something that the Seahawks absolutely will consider. So again, I, I think that in this type of scenario, as we just described, Corbin, if the Seahawks are offered that type of a, of a trade down where you get moving down two spots to get two picks, one of them being a second rounder, it's a no brainer. And if they were able to get either one of these two offensive tackles, I think that that really sets them up well, considering the depth and the talent this year among the edge rushers, the cornerbacks, the centers, the running backs, all those other positions of concern that we've been talking about for so long uh, are something that Seattle has to address. We'll see where our paths go here as we continue with this dual mock draft, but both of us going with a tackle early. They only have three currently on the roster, so not a surprise but we both get our hopefully franchise left tackle or maybe pending in this case a right tackle. We're getting a franchise tackle in the first round. For all the 12s that are listening, make sure to hit us up on social media at Corbin Smith NFL and at Rob Rang. Let us know which pick that you prefer of the two dual mock drafts here in the first round. For me, Charles Cross. For Rob, Trevor Penning, which pick do you like? Make sure to hit us up on social media. We're going to shift to quarterback discussion here in a moment. Geno Smith officially back in action with the Seahawks. They also have Drew Locke and Jacob Eason. If the quarterback room stays untouched for the rest of the offseason, who has the advantage to start for the Seahawks in week one in September? Rob and I are going to be debating here in a moment. This episode is brought to you by Rock Auto with the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts you need. Why endure often pointless or seemingly intimidating questioning, waiting while the person behind the counter orders the parts on their computer and choosing the only brand their warehouse happens to carry? You can avoid this mess because you've got computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Why choose to spend 30 50 even 100% more for the same parts from a chain store to car dealership? Rock Auto is a family business serving do-it-yourselfers for over 20 years. Rock Auto prices are reliably low for every single customer, and they've got everything you could possibly need, whether it's brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today to find a solution to your auto parts needs. RockAuto.com. Visit it right now. See the parts available for your car or truck and write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so they know we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. RockAuto.com. You're listening to the Locked On Seahawks podcast, Tuesday edition. I'm Corbin Smith. Joining me as always, my co-host, Rob Rang. Thanks for making Locked On Seahawks your first listen five days a week. We just kicked off our annual 
final dual mock draft first round selections rob and i both bolstering the offensive line i picked charles cross out of mississippi state rob picking trevor penning the small school prospect out of northern iowa with the 11th selection we will have our second and third round picks coming up on tomorrow's show but Let's get to the quarterback position, Rob, because Geno Smith officially back under contract with the Seahawks, announced today by the team on their official website. Smith signing a one-year deal, $3.5 million base salary, up to $7 million with incentives. So they did put some bones out there for him. And that creates a question now. Who's the favorite to start for the Seahawks in week one? Of course, they're not out of the quarterback business. There's a chance you or I may pick quarterbacks in our final mock draft. They may very well pick one when we get to the actual draft next week. But for now, they have three quarterbacks, two of them with some starting experience, one in Jacob Eason that has yet to start an NFL game. So now the question is, who is the favorite? And I think you could make arguments on both sides here, but... I'm going to throw the mic to you here first, Rob. If the Seahawks started a game next week, who do you think is the starting quarterback? Is it Geno Smith, Drew Locker? Are you going to go out in left field and say that it's Jacob Eason? <laughs> well, I'm certainly not going to go out in left field and suggest Jacob Eason. I just have not seen enough at the NFL level to suggest that, although I do remain very high on just his natural talent. Um, I think that if we're talking about a game next week, then you have to go with the incumbent guy, Geno Smith, who, of course, has the experience in Shane Waldron's offense. He's had just had greater uh, you know, time to learn the offense and, and has shown you what he can do. At the same time, what Geno Smith has shown you what he can do has not been as impressive as I think uh, that can make this a slam dunk selection. I think the appeal of Drew Locke is that untapped potential, that incredible arm that he possesses. So I think the guy who is actually going to start the regular season opener is going to be Drew Locke at least of the quarterbacks who are currently on Seattle's roster, because there is just the physical upside. And I do expect there to be the, the built-in rapport over the training camp process that is going to see Drew Locke be able to, you know, really show off that arm strength, be able to show off how humble, how hungry that he is and, and wants to kind of seize this opportunity. So Drew Locke would be the quarterback who I believe is going to be Seattle's day one starter at this point. I really think that this is going to go down to the wire. If this is the group that they are going to move forward with, because you look at Drew Locke, as you mentioned, the physical traits have always been there. He has a live arm. And I think something that Pete Carroll, it's kind of weird because we know how much Pete Carroll loves turnovers, but at the same time, he loves a quarterback that'll drop back and just air the sucker out. He loves the deep ball. He wants to run the ball, and he wants shot plays. Drew Locke will put the ball up in the air downfield, and and at times it's to his uh, hindrance. He is not afraid to take those shots, and so that is something that jumps out to me that gives him a chance. But I, I'm actually going to go with the standby here, and the arguments that I'm going to make, Geno Smith is significantly older you know, Drew Locke's got a better chance of maybe being a long-term option because he's only 25. But we just haven't seen enough on film from him suggest 
that he can be the guy, that he is more than a spot starter. And I think some of the issues that he is dealing with or has dealt with the last two years are going to be really difficult to correct. Whereas Geno Smith, he did not light the world on fire last year, but the Seahawks had a chance to win all three games that he was under center replacing Russell Wilson. And he wasn't necessarily given the best support around him on offense. There were some drop passes. The offensive line was really struggling. If you can bolster that group up front, Geno Smith was a much more effective third down passer all than, than what Russell Wilson was all season last year. So he's got that working for him. If you're Pete Carroll, you're looking at Geno Smith, his familiarity with the offense, as you mentioned. That is going to be a huge advantage going into this competition. He knows the offense inside and out. He has worked with DK Metcalf and Tyler Lockett. And yeah, I know Lockett has worked with Noah Fant, but those two have not had the success that Geno Smith had in those couple games of DK Metcalf. Two of his top three receiving games last year were games started by Geno Smith. And then you also had the big second half when he replaced Russell Wilson against the Rams. Those two just clicked. I don't think that that was a one or two game aberration. Like those two really connected and the chemistry is there. So I think that is something to keep in mind with the fact he knows the playbook. He knows the receivers. He's a guy that is loved in the locker room. Pete Carroll's not blowing smoke when he says that. This is a guy that when he's when the announcement came out, he was getting a contract. Within two minutes, you had players like Quandre Diggs, Dwayne Brown, even not on the roster, a number of guys coming out congratulating him. He is a beloved guy in the locker room. They're happy that he's coming back, and that's half the battle when you're changing quarterbacks. And so I know that Drew Locke has upside that is untapped, but – I almost think if you can go into the season with a guy that's more of a sure thing, you know what he's going to bring to the table. You know he knows the offense. You know he and DK Metcalf are really close, and they've developed that rapport. He's got the the locker room backing. I actually think that there is a really good chance that Geno Smith could be the guy in week one that is out there on the field not carrying a clipboard this time around. Yeah, and I think that's an excellent point. Um, the fact that he does have the locker room support, because when I watched Drew Locke at times over his career at Denver, it just did not look like he was on the same page with the, the Broncos wide receivers. And that to me is my biggest area of concern. If the receivers and tight ends and running backs, the, the pass catchers out there don't believe in you then that's obviously a huge area of concern. That's why I think that it is on Drew Locke to be able to develop that type of a rapport with, with Seattle's pass catchers. Because it doesn't matter how, how big your arm is, it, you have to have the trust of your teammates. And Geno Smith already has that. So again, I, I would agree that he the, is the incumbent. He is the, the favorite at this point. I just also believe that the fact that Seattle did not reward him with a big-time contract offer, they, they gave him a one-year deal for, you know, really for pennies on the dollar when it comes to what the contracts we're seeing the big-time quarterbacks get in the NFL. I think that Seattle wants him back, uh, perhaps in a Tavares Jackson role, kind of being that mentor, um, but not necessarily as envisioning him as the starter, as the guy that can really push this team to the forefront. As you mentioned, they were competitive in all three of the games that Geno Smith started. They won one of them. 
And so that to me is what it kind of comes back down to is that maybe Drew Locke, maybe they would have not won any of those games, but it's still, you just don't know. And that's why I think that Seattle would be at this point rolling the dice and just at least seeing what Drew Locke or perhaps a rookie quarterback, perhaps even Jacob Eason might be able to provide you uh, instead of what it feels like you already kind of know what you've got with Geno Smith. Yeah, that is the one thing. You know who Geno Smith is. He's an older quarterback, not necessarily in a position where he's going to improve a lot, though I thought he was much better taking care of the football last year than we ever saw him early in his career with the New York Jets, even with his brief stints with the Chargers and Giants. He did a much better job of not forcing the issue, and he took some shots downfield. He has enough arm strength to be able to do that. I think Drew Locke has got more arm talent, especially at this point of Geno Smith's career. But there are other factors to consider that I think give the veteran an edge here. And so while I know there are a lot of listeners out there that are going to say, man, I hope we go out and get Baker Mayfield, or I hope we draft a rookie quarterback that's got high upside because they're not excited about Geno Smith versus Drew Locke. I can understand it. They both have losing records as starting quarterbacks in the NFL, and there's a reason that they've bounced around. They didn't do enough to stick with their original teams. So it's not the most inspiring quarterback competition, but I think it could be a very intriguing one come August, just because you got two guys that have a little different styles. They're at different stages of their careers. And you got one guy that's trying to see if a change of scenery can fix things. You got another one that's already been here for three seasons and really loves playing in Seattle. He's got the locker room uh, behind him. Maybe the locker room behind Locke as well. I just think that it's shaping up. It would at least be a somewhat intriguing battle, even if it's not the most exciting having two guys that have been failed starters going against each other, trying to replace Russell Wilson. Again, Seahawks are not out of the quarterback business yet. They could draft one next week. If they don't, there's still always the possibility Baker Mayfield or somebody like Gardner Minshew could come in. They have time to still explore options and bring another quarterback in in some capacity. But if they're going to move forward with this group of three, got to believe that Smith is going to be the early guy in the depth chart at number one from his experience. And Locke is going to get his opportunities to jump him in training camp. And that could end up being a pretty fascinating battle once we get to training camp a few months from now. As always, thanks for making Locked on Seahawks your first listen five days a week. And make sure to check out the Locked on NFL Draft as your second listen. Ryan Tracy and former NFL cornerback Eric Crocker bring the NFL Draft to life every day with insight and analysis on college football prospects and NFL front offices. It's free. And it's available wherever you get podcasts. You can follow me on Twitter at Corbin Smith NFL. You can follow Rob at Rob Rang. Check out Locked On Seahawks and Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and streaming five days a week on YouTube. Coming up on our Wednesday episode, we're going to continue our final mock draft. Again, we are having dual mock drafts. Rob and I picking different players. We're going to go through our second and third round selections. It's going to be a mock draft jammed episode as we lead up to the real deal next Thursday. Thanks for listening in. Enjoy the rest of your Tuesday. Go Hawks.